Thank you for listening to this message from Life in the Sun Christian Fellowship. We hope you'll be inspired to honor God and make disciples. Welcome to week nine of our series on the Ten Commandments. Uh, Would you please open your Bibles to Exodus chapter 20? Exodus chapter 20. Before we actually get into the sermon, I just want to highlight a little bit of what Terry said about our week of prayer and fasting. That's not this coming week, but the following week. We invite you to join us next week, 27th to the 29th. We're going to be meeting over there in the office on Wednesday and Thursday nights. And then Friday night is Ignite, our night of worship and prayer. We invite you to come and all join us on the last day of our fast. And uh, next week, uh, we're going to talk to you about some practical tips regarding fasting, so you have some guidelines on how to go about that. It's important that we do it properly, and so we'll give that to you next week. But about fasting, why do we do that? We had three days of prayer and fasting in the beginning of the year, and I want to share with you an an idea that will help explain uh, why we do that. How many of you have a cell phone? Okay. Have you ever gone on a trip and you put your cell phone on airplane mode? And then what is the first thing you do when the plane lands and you're at the airport? You turn it back on, and what happens in the top left-hand corner of your phone? You see a little bleeping thing. It says searching, searching, searching. And it's looking for a network to connect to. And the reason it does that is because there's a chip inside this phone that by itself, it's an amazing chip, can do all kinds of things, but by itself it's limited. It needs to connect to the network in order to download what the network has in order to be able to experience its full potential. And in the same way, you and I, it's kind of like we have a chip inside us. It's our, it's our human spirit. And we need to connect with the network out there, which is the kingdom of God. And the kingdom of God consists of the Spirit of God, the people of God, and the Word of God. And as we connect with God in His kingdom, we get outside of our isolation and we begin to experience the full potential of what God has for us in life. It's what we're all looking for. We're looking for connection. We're looking for it in relationships. We're looking for it in business. We're looking for it in um, just as we go about daily living. And The Lord wants us to be able to experience uh, the fullness of all he has for us. Every once in a while, your phone will update, and they'll they'll do some tweaks on the software. And very often, uh, when you do that, you'll discover, hey, I got some new features on my phone I didn't have before. That's cool. In the same way, when you're connected with God, when you're connected with the Word of God, the people of God, and the Spirit of God, He will download things into your life, and it's almost as if like you'll have new features that never existed before. You begin to unpack the fullness of the salvation that God has given you and experience all that He has for you. Sound good? Amen. So invite us, July 27th to the 29th, prayer and fasting. Hope you can be there to join us. And um, on that note, let's pray. Father, thank you for your presence. Thank you for each person that's here. And God, I thank you that you desire connection with them. And Lord, you desire to bless them and allow them to experience the fullness of all that you have. And I pray that you would use today, especially your word, by our faith and by your spirit, to speak to our hearts. Lord, just as Terry talked about in the opening of our time together, 
Lord, as we placed our hands on our hearts, and if you would just do that for a moment, just place your hand on your heart and just say, God, I'm here and I'm open to you. I'm wanting you and needing you. And I invite you to speak to my heart in Jesus' name, amen. God desires to speak to you. I trust that he will do that as we look to him and to his word. Years ago, when I was in high school, uh, some of you don't know, I graduated from high school in Germany. And I got a part-time job while I was there. My dad was in the military. We were stationed in southern Germany. And the part-time job I got was with uh, MWR, AFES. They had a restaurant there, and I I was working there at that location. And the boss said, hey, have you ever driven an ice cream truck? I said, no, but that sounds fun. (laughs) And so they got this ice cream truck, and they bought the ice cream, and she set me up, and I'd go out into the neighborhood, and when I'd drive in the residential areas, there was like no sales. I mean, little kids don't have money. (laughs) So I got this idea, you know what, I'm going to go to the motor pool. Motor pool is this place, like big warehouse, where all the military guys work on the vehicles and do all the maintenance for the base. And when those guys would come out on break... I'd sell a popsicle to somebody, and he'd go in, and people would go, hey, where did you get that? I'd say, there's an ice cream truck out there. And they would just come out like ants. I'd have a whole line, and I'd just going as fast as I could, pulling ice cream out and giving change. And, you know, when you're working in sales, one of the last things you want is when you cash out at the end of the day, you don't want to be short. But it was just so interesting. I had the opposite experience. I would always be like $50 over. And my boss would go, how's that? I I don't know. Maybe you had the cash count wrong in the beginning, the change box. I'm not sure. Maybe the inventory wasn't quite right. And so every day, I'd have a little extra money. Sometimes it was $30, sometimes $50. One time it was actually $80, more than I should have. And we're just scratching our head like, how is this happening? And so we'd be double-checking the inventory, double-checking the box that I got with the change to begin with. And everything was square. We just, it's kind of a mystery. And then one day... Somebody else figured it out. See if you can figure it out too. Whole line of guys, imagine 50 guys lining up. I'm going just as fast as I can. And the popsicles are 75 cents. So they give me a $5 bill. I grab the change and I put a quarter in their hand. I go, that's two, three, four, five. Next. They give me a popsicle. I give them a popsicle that put a quarter in their hand. That's two, three, four, five. And we keep doing that just every day, every day. It was about a whole month I'd been doing this, and one day, a guy walks away with his change, and he's looking at his money, and he goes, you shortchanged me. I go, no, no, let's do it again here. Give me the money, give me the coin. I said, you know, the popsicle's 75 cents. Here's your quarter. That's two, three, four, five. And he walked away, and he's like, no way, man, something's wrong here. Anybody figure it out? When you put a quarter in their hand, and they bought a popsicle for 75 cents, that's not $2, that's $1. So it's one, two, three, four, five. Every single person, I was shortchanging them a dollar. I was like, oh man, I didn't, you know, I thought about all those guys. Nobody caught it. (laughs) You know, (laughs) what was that? (laughs) Yeah, they're just happy. They got ice cream. And I was looking really good to my boss. You know, in the kingdom of God, honesty is a virtue. Transparency is commended, and it's something we look toward to. And today's commandment, the ninth commandment, has a lot to do with that value, that virtue. We're going to look at Exodus chapter 20, beginning in verse 16. 
You shall not bear false witness against your neighbor. You shall not bear false witness against your neighbor. So let's clarify the meaning of this command. The ninth commandment prohibits false testimony. Now that could be informally. You could be with your friends and you're saying something you know it's not true, or it could be formal. It could be like in a court of law, or it could be like a report to an authority, and you say something that's not true. The Bible says we prohibits false testimony. So in essence, the ninth commandment prohibits lying. Now, as we've been saying throughout the series, how does this, how is this an expression of God's love? How is this an expression of God's love? Now, the series, the goal at the end of the series, we have the next slide. At the end, we'll have a better picture of God's love for us as expressed in the giving of his commandments, which result in life as he originally intended, as we learn to love and obey him. So how is this commandment an expression of God's love? Well, God loves everyone. And the purpose of this command is to protect the reputation of each and every person. The purpose is to protect your reputation from anybody around you. So is this important? Well, you'll know if you've, ever had, if you've ever been violated in this way. Did you ever feel like someone was critical toward you? Did you ever feel like someone was against you? Did you ever feel like somebody didn't like you? How did that feel? It feels terrible. Now imagine, or maybe you don't need to imagine this, but imagine that they went and told people what they think about you. Now, if you have a healthy self-image, you can still be okay, but nevertheless, it affects your relationships with other people because they begin to respond to you differently if they take the bait. There are three ways that we can be involved in breaking the ninth commandment, and one of them is about slander. Slander is different from gossip. Gossip is when you're telling something to somebody, it's true, but they don't need to know. It's none of their business. Slander, on the other hand, is when you're telling somebody something about somebody and it's not true. And this is saying we should bear no false witness within us. Terry and I, many years ago, it was probably 20 years ago, uh, we knew uh, a guy who was a missionary in Saipan. And for whatever reason, I don't know, I just, to this day, I don't know why, but he started bad-mouthing Terry and I. He was living in Saipan, and he was talking to a very good friend of ours. She was a teacher at the college there. She taught nursing. And she told us this story later. She came back to Guam to visit. She said, so-and-so has been talking bad about you. And she said, uh, for whatever reason, I guess he had some assumptions about our motivations and why we did what we did, and he was judging us. And he was sharing this with her. And she said, I know that what you're saying about Mark and Terry is not true. He said, oh yeah? How do you know? She said, because I know Mark and Terry, and they're not like that. But imagine if she didn't know us. Imagine if she just took his word for it and began to believe it, what that would have done to our relationship with her. But fortunately, she stood up for us, and she said, no, you should not be talking that way. You know, oftentimes we make negative assumptions about people. 
We say, oh yeah, I know why they did that. When in fact, we don't know. You know who's, you know who's a person who is very deceptive when it comes to their motives? Is Satan himself. Just give you a couple examples of bearing false witness. You know, it's, it's really deceiving when somebody pretends that they're for you, but they're really not for you. And that's what Satan did to Eve. He came to her and he said, the reason that God doesn't want you to eat from the knowledge of, of good and evil is because in the day that you do, you will be like him. So what's the implication? So God's holding back on us. You know, there's something more. There's something here he doesn't want us to have. He's keeping it for himself. You know, I was with the little boy. Terry and I were babysitting this week, and I won't say who the parents were, but I gave him some of my chocolate. We're driving around in the car. And I gave him another piece, and we're at the end of our day together and dropping him off at home, and I decide to give him the rest of the chocolate that I have. And uh, he goes, can I eat it now? I said, no, 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 save it. You've already had two pieces. You know, let it last. He goes, you know, my parents have chocolate. I said, they do. He's about, what, five years old? They do. He goes, yeah, but they hide it. I said, how do you know that? He goes, I just know. He said, I'm going to hide my chocolate. I said, no, that doesn't sound right. You shouldn't do that. I said, you should share your chocolate. He goes, well, if they don't tell me where is theirs, I'm not telling them where is mine. <laughs> and you see how that little thinking gets into a little child's mind? Oh, they're holding back something from me, therefore I'm going to withdraw. You know, and that's, what's, that's the seed that Satan planted in the mind of Eve. Oh, he's holding back. Okay, so now she's going to take matters into her own hand because she can't trust him. Well, good news is I dropped him off at his house. He ran into the house. He just blasted by his mom. And as he went by, he dropped off the chocolate to her. He goes, I got some chocolate. <laughs> and he gave it to her. I was like, good job. <laughs> but being a false witness was involved in the very first sin. The very first sin. The lie is that God is withholding your, something that is good for you. And did you know that the false witness about God's character caused her to sin? Keep in mind that ripple effect that happens. Because when somebody else is a false witness, it tempts the person who's listening to it to also sin. Because now they're tempted to possibly judge the person that you're talking about. And, you know, there's a verse in Hebrews 15.4, It says, Be careful that no root of bitterness spring up, and by, and, and by it many be defiled. 12.15, thank you. My wife, she's great. Hebrews 12, 15. Be careful that no root of bitterness spring up and that by it many be defiled. And you know, sometimes we get a little seed of an attitude in our heart and we just kind of share that attitude out of the blue and then it gets planted in somebody else's heart. And then they get it and it grows and it gets planted in somebody else's heart. Be careful not to drink the Kool-Aid. You know, another example of a false witness. Remember the story of Joseph? 
He'd been sold out by his brothers, sold as a slave in Egypt. He was in Potiphar's house. Potiphar was a high-ranking official in Egypt, and his wife wanted to go to bed with him, and he said no. And one day, she actually grabbed him, and he took off to the point and actually left his cloak behind him. And then she screamed rape. She bore false witness in her heart to get back at him because he was not willing to cooperate with her, and then he ended up getting thrown in jail. That's an example of how damaging it can be when we bear false witness. So Joseph and Potiphar's wife is an example of slander. There's another form of the ninth commandment. There's another way that we can break it. Slander is just one. But another is when we spread rumors. Spreading rumors is when you think it's true, but you don't really know if it's true. How many of you have ever... This is more common now. It's so easy with the click of a button. Because of social media and news or email, you can just forward some kind of news break and send that on to your friends, you know, thinking you're informing them and warning them and you're doing a good deed by letting them know and only to discover later that this little bit of news in social media was not true. It's very important to make sure that, that we vet the things that we repeat. There is a scripture, it says, uh, do not entertain an accusation against an elder, or for that matter, anybody, except on the basis of two or three witnesses. Except on the basis of two or three witnesses. I've heard people that, that I respect, that I look up to, and they say things about other people. And I'm like, you know what? Unless I have proof about that, I am zip. I am not repeating that to anybody because I don't know if that's true. They said it, I respect them. I know they're a mature Christian, but I don't know if that's true. I don't need to be repeating that to anybody. Otherwise, I may be spreading a rumor, just, as, just like I might be clicking on an email and forwarding it to my friends and family. <clears throat> Another way that we can break the ninth commandment, so there's two so far, slander, and then spreading rumors, and then they all start with the letter F, slander, spreading rumors, and then the last is silence. You know, when I was in college, I was the hall director of a dorm. And in the summertime, some of the dorms closed for renovation, some stayed open for um, summer school. And so this particular year, uh, my dorm was open. And there, there was a group of students from Texas who got really smart. They figured out you could fly to Hawaii, you could register for six credits, take basket weaving and swimming 101 to qualify to stay in the dorm and pay $5 a day for the dorm and get a meal plan and have an entire summer vacation in Hawaii. <laughs> and so one summer it was a small group and then word got out and next summer it was a big group. We had like 200 that came from Texas. And they were here to party. <laughs> and... So it was hard on us who were working in the dorm because, you know, 2 o'clock in the morning, the, the, the night crowd starts coming in, you know, and stuff's happening and we've got to address it. So one night, they all got off the bus and they're all milling around the lobby and outside the dorm and I'm just there monitoring just in case anything goes down because they've been drinking, they've been partying. 
And I saw this one couple, they're hugging, they're right outside the dorm. They can't see me because um, it's light outside, but it's dark inside. You know how a window will reflect the opposite depending on where the light is? So I'm standing like two feet from them, but they can't see me on the other side of the glass. And she reaches out behind him and she pulls the fire alarm. And the whole building goes off. And we have to go through the whole process of letting everybody know, false alarm, go back to your room. 20 minutes later, everything calms down. And it was kind of dark, but I think I remember who it was. And so we're filtering all the people back into the dorm, and I'm watching, and I think, okay, there she is. And so I call her over, and I try to remember the color and the design on her dress. I said, could you just turn around for a minute? I think, yeah, I think that's her. So I told her, you're the one that pulled the fire alarm, right? She goes, what? She goes, no way. She got really upset at me. And I wasn't sure, and so I didn't have enough confidence to be able to press charges or anything. I just kind of let it go. A week later, some guy I never met before comes up to me, and he says, yeah, I got called in to the student housing office, and... They told me that there was a report of two witnesses who said I was the one who pulled the fire alarm. He goes, I didn't do it. But he, goes, he said, I know somebody has to be blamed. That guy got kicked out of the dorm and got kicked out of school and had to go back home. And in my heart, I knew it wasn't him. I knew it was a girl. I wasn't sure which girl, but I knew it was not a guy And this whole thing had happened behind the scenes. I didn't even know that anybody made a report. I didn't even know that they called him. I didn't even know they kicked him out of the dorm until after it was all done. And he came back to me and he said, this is what happened. And I just regret that I didn't have the sobriety and the clarity and the wherewithal inside to say, you know what? Whoa, stop. You and me, let's go to the student office. I was there. I saw it was a girl. Let's go stop this whole process. This is not right. You should not be kicked out of the dorm and out of the school. But I didn't. I hesitated, and I was slow. And I thought, it seems like it's a done deal already. This is all over. I didn't say anything. And I was guilty of bearing false witness inside because of silence. Because of silence. So those are three ways that we can break the ninth commandment the S-words, slander, spreading rumors, and silence. Are there times in life when lies can be helpful? Are there times in life when lies can be helpful? Um, I don't know if this is a good thing, but I think here in the islands, uh, we're kind of good at this. (laughs) You know, somebody goes, so how do I look? (laughs) Bro, you're looking good, bro. (laughs) Even though there's a little bit of, you know, <laughs> we don't want to bring that up. You know, Terry and I, just this week, we were at a reunion of some friends, and uh, we hadn't seen each other for like 10 years. And one of the ladies, I was catching up, and she goes, wow, look around. We're looking at all of our friends, and she said, we all look the same. <laughs> what do you say in a moment like that? Do you want to point out the extra gray hairs, a little extra weight, maybe a little extra, f- no, you don't want to point out the extra flabbiness. It's just like... Yeah, you know what? You guys look great. <laughs> Hadn't seen you in so long. You know, so statements like that, you just take with a grain of salt. You know, it's... In the islands, you want to be polite. You know, we don't hurt other people's feelings. You know, what if you say if your wife buys a new outfit? 
She goes, do you like my red shoes? <laughs> what do you say, husbands? <laughs> do you ask how much did they cost? <laughs> you go, those shoes look great. <laughs> happy wife, happy life. <laughs> Sometimes it's better to be polite. No, but seriously, are there times when lying may be helpful? I'll show you a couple examples in the Bible. Remember Moses, uh, he grew up in Egypt. Pharaoh was intimidated because the Israelites were multiplying and becoming so numerous, they were, they were becoming a threat to the nation of Egypt. There was fear in the leader's heart. What if one day they rise up and they take over or they're using all of our resources? And so he, he made an edict. And he told the midwives, there were two of them, if it's, if it's a boy, don't let it live. If it's a girl, let it live. And the midwives, they walked out of that meeting and they decided in their heart because they honored God, they said, no, we're not going to do that. And they let the boys live. So Pharaoh called them back into his office. Hey, what is this I hear you're doing? How, how come you didn't obey my edict? And they said, well, you know, the Israelite women, they're not like us, you know. They're vigorous and they bear their children before the midwives can even get there. And so they passed that checkpoint. And so in the midwife's mind, okay, I got a choice. I got a moral dilemma. Do I lie or do I preserve and value life? Which is more important? And the Bible says that God honored them and that he actually provided homes for them because of the choice they made in their heart. Another example in the Bible you remember when the people of Israel were entering the promised land the second time and they sent in two spies and the two spies ended up at Rahab's house. And Rahab said, everybody is scared of you guys. They've heard of how God's hand is upon you, how you defeated this nation and this people group and they're, they're so afraid they don't even want to fight. And she said, I know you guys, God, I know God has given you guys the land. And she said, when you come, would you promise me that you will not hurt my family? And so they had a signal. They said, okay, we're going to put, because her house was on the wall and she had a window on the wall, she put out this long rope, this ribbon, and that was the sign that this household, they were not to touch when they came to invade the city. Now, somebody had reported to the king that there were two spies that had entered into the land, and they went looking for them, and they actually came to Rahab. And they said, have you seen these guys? And she said, no. Uh, they were here, but they left. I think they went that way. So, was she wrong in doing that, in protecting them? Do you know that Rahab is actually listed in Hebrews chapter 11 in the Hall of Faith as one of the people who operated by faith? And then later her life was spared. Did you also know that she is in the lineage of Jesus? You heard the story of Boaz. Boaz was this rich guy who had a field, and um, he was very generous. Uh, the Bible says his mother was Rahab, and he's also listed in the lineage of Jesus. So how do we know if lying is helpful? It all boils down to motive. It all boils down to motive. When I was counting out change and I said, that's two, three, four, five, what was my motive? 
There's no motive. I'm just stupid. <laughs> I did that for a whole month. You know, you got to look at the heart. What's, what's going on here? Is there a malicious intent? Are they trying to manipulate? Let's reread the command again. Let's put that up on the screen. You shall not bear, that's a key word, false witness against your neighbor. Now, to bear means like to carry a load. Did you know that you can spiritually carry things within you? Some people, most of us, we carry some form of fear, maybe some level of anxiety. You can also carry peace. You can carry contentment. You ever around somebody and it's like you're all thumbs when you're around them, you're clumsy and you don't feel very smart at all? People can defile us. We're like radio signals and receivers. We send out signals that are invisible, we receive them, we pick up messages. We can be defiled by people around us. You sit down next to somebody and all of a sudden you feel kind of dirty. Sometimes you can sit around another person and you're like, wow, you just feel good. I feel like I'm wise. And they're just like, whoa, they just value things that I say and they're impressed and amazed and it's like I feel really good when I walk away from them. We carry things within us. And we can carry within us this witness that is against somebody. Have you ever recognized that within yourself or within other people? Where there's this, there's this thing in you where you've kind of already made up your mind that you're against so-and-so? I have a feeling that has a lot to do with the polls in our presidential race. You look at some of the platforms and you're like, how could you support so-and-so? But, you know, some people already decided a long time ago what camp they're in. They're in this camp or that camp, and then whoever supports that platform, well, I guess I'm voting for them. But people already decide inside, and they carry things within them. And we can carry this kind of attitude of being against somebody. You, you know you have it when, have you ever been arguing with your spouse? Anybody ever do that? Or is that just my wife and I? Arguing with your brother, your sister, your mom or your dad, maybe your coworker, your best friend, you guys are arguing. You know you have it out for them when it doesn't really matter what they say. It doesn't matter anything that they say. Everything is wrong. In fact, before they even finish their sentence, when you're really in the heat of an argument, before they even finish their sentence, you're already rebutting. You know, it's just like nothing they say is right. We can carry that within us. So the heart is important to understand is what are we carrying? What are we bearing inside? And are we against... I wasn't against the military guys buying popsicles for me. You know, that was just, like I said, stupid. (laughs) But sometimes you can actually do things on purpose that are against somebody. And that would be bearing false witness against your neighbor. So those are the two key words, bear and against. I think probably one of the the saddest examples that I can think of in the Bible is the example of Jesus. As you know, he offended the religious leaders of his day. And at one point, they became so offended, they decided in their heart, we have it out for you. We're going to get you. We're going to get rid of you. One way or another, we're going to figure it out. They would actually send people to question him and to debate with him, trying to 
trap him in a statement that they could use against him. He was just amazing in how he handled those situations. But they had it out for him. They were offended. They already decided in their heart. This was the intent when two men decided to publicly declare some false things about Jesus. I'll just read it to you. Some men stood up and gave this false testimony. We heard him say, I will destroy this temple with human hands, and in three days I will build another made without human hands. But even then, they didn't get their stories right. And then the high priest stood up before the others and asked Jesus, Well, aren't you going to answer these charges? What do you have to say for yourself? But Jesus was silent and made no reply. Later from the scripture, we understand that what Jesus was talking about was his own death and resurrection. He was talking about the temple of his body. And he said this body would be raised up again in three days. They thought he was talking about the temple, the physical temple in Jerusalem. But you know when you're against somebody, you can take anything that they say and twist it and make them look bad. Have you ever had somebody do that to you, just kind of misinterpret your words? Or maybe just misunderstand you? You know, when you're in a situation and you feel like you have to explain yourself or that you have to justify yourself, remember this. When you're with friends, you usually don't need to explain yourself anyway. You don't have to justify yourself with friends. And when you're with an enemy, it doesn't matter what you say, nothing's going to justify you. (laughs) It's just not... And so, be like Jesus, who, he was just silent. They said, well, what do you have to say, to, say for yourself about this? And it's, the Bible says he was quiet. In summary, I want to point out that there are three ways that we can violate the ninth commandment. I'll start with the letter S, slander, spreading rumors, and silence. I want to share with you some ways that we can avoid breaking the ninth commandment. So a couple questions to ask yourself before you repeat things or pass things on. Number one, am I the appropriate person to talk about this? Maybe it is an important issue, but I might not be the one who's supposed to address it. Maybe that responsibility or that role belongs to somebody else. Maybe that's my coworker's responsibility and he needs to deal with that. Or maybe that's my boss's responsibility. They need to take care of it. Or it might be my brother or sister needs to handle that. That's not, that's their primary responsibility. I support them, I'm concerned, I'm for them, but that's something that they need to do. You know, oftentimes people will come to me and they'll share a problem in a relationship. And I'll say, well, did you have a chance to talk to that person? And sometimes they're hoping that I'll talk for them. And I encourage them, well, why don't you go back and have a face-to-face meeting with them and just share your heart what you're feeling. So ask yourself, am I the appropriate person to talk about this? Secondly, if I am the person who should be talking about it, am I talking to the right people? This is a big one here in the islands. Yes, it's my issue. Yes, I'm responsible. But I'm talking to everybody else except that person. And I would encourage you, Although it's cultural, although it's normal, although it's kind of accepted and people entertain and they listen to you, I would encourage you not to do that. The Bible says in Matthew 18, verses 15 through 17, if you have something against a brother, go talk to him one-on-one. 
Another thing that we can do to avoid breaking the ninth commandment, I mentioned it earlier, and that is don't entertain an accusation against anybody unless there's proof, unless there are two or three eyewitnesses. Just don't. Don't consider it true. You know, a lot of stuff I read in the newspaper, I read it with a grain of salt. You know what? I don't even know if this is true. Have you ever had that experience with the newspaper? Anybody ever had a personal story written up about you in the newspaper? You know, my daughter, when she graduated, she gave the speech at the graduation ceremony. It was a very godly speech. It was amazing how it coincided with the other guest speaker that was there. It was just like the Holy Spirit synchronized the two of them apart from knowing it. It was just uh, it was a really cool thing. The next day, the newspaper wrote an article about what she said. It was nothing what she said. Nothing. We debated whether or not we'd make a complaint about that. You know what? It's not worth it. But just, just to let you know, if you haven't experienced that, you're not, you don't know what, if what you're reading is true. I get concerned when a, when a reporter calls me and they want to write up an article. I'm like, I want to see the finished product before you print it because I don't know how you're going to spin this interview. So those are a couple of guiding principles. Um, one thing that we, we need to monitor before we talk to people, if we're the right person, is to... I talked earlier about how it's all about the motivation of the heart. You know, what is my motive? And a good way to tell if it's proper for me to talk to this person at this time is just to ask yourself, man, am I just dying? I can't wait to tell them what I think. <laughs> you know, if that's my attitude, chances are I should wait. I shouldn't talk to them at this point because my heart's not right. But if I'm concerned, oh, I don't know, I don't want to hurt their feelings, you know, I really like them and I'm concerned how they're going to take this, now you have the right spirit. And it's probably going to come across that way when you talk to them that you're more concerned about them than the issue. So what is my heart? What is my motive? As I come to a close, I just want to share that um, if you're like me, Perhaps you've been convicted as we've been going through this series. I mean, the Ten Commandments hit all the big issues in relationships, and none of us are immune from making mistakes. I've been convicted. That's going to happen when we study the Ten Commandments. The Apostle Paul said that the purpose of the Ten Commandments was actually to be like a spiritual mirror to help us see ourselves, to help us see our sin, and to help us see our need for Christ, our need for forgiveness, and to help us give up trying to attain our own righteousness, but rather to accept the righteousness that comes from God by trusting in what Jesus did for us, not what I do. So in closing, I want to share with you this story. Uh, this is a story by Max Lucado. Any of you ever read his books? Great author, great speaker. I love Max Lucado. <clears throat> and he said when he was in elementary school, his older brother got a BB gun for Christmas. And so they immediately set up a shooting range in the backyard. And they got an archery target and they set it up and they were shooting BBs at it. <laughs> it was so big though, after a few times, they got bored with being able to hit such an easy target. So his older brother said, go inside the house and get a hand mirror. So he got a hand mirror, he's holding it in his hand, he took the BB gun, and he put it over his shoulder like this, and he held up the mirror, and he looked at the target, and then he pulled the trigger. 
while he missed the target. In fact, he missed the storage shed behind the target. He even missed the fence behind the storage shed. They don't know where the BB went, but their neighbor knew. (laughs) And pretty soon he showed up at the fence. He said, hey, who shot the BB gun? At that point, Max Lucado says he disowned his brother. (laughs) He changed his last name, and he claimed he was a visitor from Canada. (laughs) But his father was much more noble. His dad heard the conversation. He woke up from a nap on Christmas Day. He came out and had some words with their neighbor. And among the words were these, Yes, these are my children, and yes, I will pay for their mistakes. And Christ would say the same thing to you today. He knows you make mistakes, and he knows you can't pay for them, but he can. And so he sent his son Jesus to be a sacrifice for our sins. Amen? Let's pray. Father, thank you for your word. Father, thank you for your spirit. Thank you for your presence here among us. Father, thank you that you're speaking to our hearts. Lord, it's been our desire to meet with you. And so with that, I want to ask you to take a moment just to ask God, Lord, what are you saying to me? If you need to, just put your hand on your heart. Just get in touch with God. Lord, what are you saying to me today? And I want to give you some time to respond to what you're sensing. Father, I thank you for each person here. I thank you for how you're speaking to their heart. I thank you for how you're at work. Lord, I ask that you would help each one to trust you, to take this step, whatever it is that you're saying, whatever it is that you want them to do. God, I pray that you would help them to trust you. And God, I ask that you would work in and through them to accomplish however it is that you're guiding, however you're leading. Father, I thank you that your word promises you'll keep, you'll complete the good work that you began. So Lord, I ask that you would protect and that you would provide for each person here to be able to experience what it is that you have for them. Lord, I ask that you would complete them and that you would allow them to experience your destiny for their lives as they keep their eyes on Jesus. If you would keep your heads bowed and your eyes closed, there may be some of you here today as we're talking about a relationship with Jesus that this has been on your heart, it's been on your mind. You've been sensing that God is trying to get your attention. He's been doing something and in fact, whatever it is that's going on with you has brought you here today to seek him. You want to experience him. And if that describes you, I want to give you a chance to respond to God. If you've never made a conscious choice to invite him into your life, 
I want to give you a chance to do that. It's real simple. You just have to make a decision and then express that to God. And God will know. He knows everything. He knows your heart. And so the way it'll work is I'll pray and you just pray along with me. Just hitchhike on my words. God will hear you. Father in heaven, I'm presenting myself to you today. I recognize that you've been getting my attention. I recognize that you've been at work and I'm, I'm sensing your presence and I'm deciding today that I want to respond to you by opening my heart, my mind to you. And I invite you to come into my life. I ask, I ask you to be a part of my life and I ask that you would reveal yourself to me and I ask that you would show me your ways, show me how to live, God. I've been trying to do it my way for a long time. It hasn't been working so well, but I realize that I need you. So I'm asking that you would give me a new start and that you would make me the kind of person you want me to be. I ask you to forgive me for the things that I've done. I thank you for Jesus and his sacrifice for me, and I accept him. I receive him and invite him into my life by his spirit, into my spirit. And God, I ask that we would be one, that we would have a relationship. And right now, by faith, I just want to say thank you for your presence in my life. I want to thank you for forgiving me. And I want to thank you for starting me on this new journey in your kingdom. And I pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.